And hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of THN on the Q, brought to you by BetMGM. It's been another eventful week in QMJ. John, we're going to talk about all that there is to talk about uh, momentarily, but before we get too deep into it, we have another guest uh, that uh, we're very pleased to have with us. Uh, of course, you know me, Will McLaren, that's Jamie Tozer, and uh, joining us uh, on this edition He's the president and CEO of JSM Sports Entertainment. Now, people may not be very aware of who that is, what that is. Needless to say, that is the uh, ownership group of the St. John Sea Dogs, and this man was the general manager of that club. He's been promoted as of about a year ago, and we're happy to see him here tonight. Trevor Georgie, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Jamie, Willie Mack, good seeing you guys. Excellent. Always a pleasure. Actually, I think the last time I saw you, Trevor... You're hoisting the Memorial Cup on the uh, TD uh, uh, TD station ice, so uh, slightly different circumstances, but uh, pleasure nonetheless. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, just fill us in a little bit here, Trevor. For for people who are unaware, um, what are the biggest differences in your new role com- compared to your uh, your uh, GM days with the Dogs? I don't. I don't feel the phone calls for 10th round picks from Bay Como um, <laughs> midnight on a Saturday. Anthony's got that, uh, that, that uh, privilege right now. Um, look, I really enjoyed my time as, as president and GM of the dogs and I'm still involved obviously in the sea dogs as president overseeing business and hockey operations. Um, but uh, really it's to allow, you know, um, kind of Anthony and, and his team and, um, the coaching staff to, to to do their thing and to grow and continue to develop and take the next step in their careers. JSM Sports Entertainment, the JSM, the M and it's McCain, so it's James Scott McCain, so it's the initials of uh, the the owner of the company and our, our team owner Scott McCain. So that's where that comes from. And um, you know he has ambitions to do more in the sports and entertainment space. When you've you know one uh, you know two Memorial Cups and three president cups and, and been at it for this long, you know, the, uh, I think the appetite to do more in this space uh, has certainly uh, grown over the years. And, uh, um, you know, we had this vision together and this, this to complete this journey of, you know, doing a number of things. And one of those was winning the Memorial cup and hosting it. And after that, we said, okay, what, what's next? So um, I'm involved still in all the strategic decisions for the team and, um, and kind of strategic direction, but, you know, I look at myself as, uh, you know, even more so than before, just someone to, if a door is closed for one of the folks on my team, I'm just trying to pry it open for them and, and help them help them be as successful, as successful as they can in their careers. Now, you mentioned you joked a little bit about, you know, fielding phone calls for 10th round picks uh, Saturday night, but was it was it hard to kind of step away from the hockey side of it? Um, so was it hard? It was, I wouldn't say it was hard. Um, I'd say there's elements of it that are more challenging than others. Like I'm a relationship person. So, you know, just some of the folks that I'd be used to just chatting with and building that rapport with, um, even the competitiveness of the banter and that, like that part, I'm sure some of that, that I do, I do miss. Uh, I probably just have to do a better job of just picking up the phone and, you know, and calling uh, Serge Beausoleil and giving him, you know, hell on a, on a Friday, just to, just to, just to keep the juices going and then catching up, <laughs> catching up with those guys. Um, so there's that part, but, you know, Anthony and I've worked together for eight years now and, you know, we're really kind of left side and right side of the brain of that Memorial cup team. 
So we have that trust and that, that time working together. And it's been, it's been really great watching him take that next step in his career. Um, probably, um, you know, maybe this, you know, holiday trade period is probably the time when, you know, I really uh, like to uh, get active so that maybe I'll, I'll notice a difference then, but um, you know, we talk all the time and, and still involved, but just in a very, in a very different way, just in, in, in support and, and, uh, and uh, you know, encouragement. So let's talk about the business side of things, uh, Trevor, um, which, of course, that was your background to a large degree before you became the GM in the C- of the Sea Dogs back in 2016. Um, you're bringing that to the forefront uh, with, uh, greater, with a greater degree now that you're in this new role. One of the things that you know, we've talked about it on, on the pod already uh, are some of the themed nights that the Sea Dogs have been putting together. You know, musical tri- tributes, uh, various uh, uh, various nights honoring all walks of life, um, and we understand that there's more to come this year. Uh, what are some of your goals behind those those theme nights? Is it just getting people into the arena, or is there some other greater meaning meaning behind that? Yeah, great great question. Um, so as I have Anthony on the on the hockey side, I have uh, Andre Steven on the business side to. Um, you know, waves a magic wand and makes makes a lot of stuff happen, which is which is so appreciated. Um, yeah, so for us with those um, performances, we have Cardinal Fischel coming up. We've got Taylor Swift tribute show. We've got Robin Adelini coming on a New Year's Eve, who was uh, just signed with Warner Music, uh, Nashville, uh, open for Shania Twain, um, and we've got a lot a lot more a lot more com- coming down the pipe. Uh, for us, it's about bringing another audience in for games and keeping people entertained. Um, I love hockey. I think, I mean, all of us, it goes without saying how our passion for hockey. Um, and, uh, and I think that uh, there are some folks out there like us. There's a lot of folks out there like us. But there's also a lot of folks that aren't going to come and spend, you know, 34 games in a rank following a junior hockey team. So it's getting creative to bring in that audience. And once they're there, um, maybe they decide to, you know, to come to more hockey games and maybe they say, oh, wow, actually, you know, I came for you know, a rap show or a country show and uh, now I'm going to come a little bit more. So it's just, you know, we're in the entertainment business. All of us in hockey are in the entertainment business. Um, and uh, if we're not getting creative on entertaining folks and being uh, you know, competitive for their entertainment dollars, they'll go elsewhere. So, um, yeah, we're trying different things. And uh, I know like the Cardi show, I think will do really well. The Taylor Swift one has gone a ton of traction. Like tickets to go see Taylor are very expensive. So for a family of you know four to come to a game for twenty five dollars each, and you know get to kids get to dress up, sing the songs, uh, and do all that, you know it's much more affordable. Uh, so yeah, no, we're we're getting creative with it. We we expect to continue to get creative with it. One of the things you and I have talked about a lot over the years is uh, Facebook comments. Those are always fun. Um, and one of the, one of the comments I've seen quite often is, uh, has been from the hardcore fans who say, stick to hockey. I want to come to a game to watch hockey. Uh, I don't want these sideshows at my hockey game. What would you say to those fans? Well, when I was, when I was more on the hockey, it was stick to business. So it's funny to stick to <laughs> uh, Are, are you trying to tell us, Trevor, that it's hard to please everybody? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. And you know what? I, I still, I'll see some of those comments will get shared with me. And the fans actually that'll say those those things and feel that way. 
I know them. I play ball hockey with them. Like I know them in the community. They're diehard, like Sea Dogs fans through and through. We couldn't do it without them. Like they love the hockey. They're they're uh, they're watching everything just like we are, and and I love that. Um, you know, if they don't, they can you know during an intermission. If you're not not enjoying it, um, by all means, you know, go buy some concessions and and uh, and, and go hang out. Uh, the other thing is um, whether you're a fan of a certain musical genre or something else or you're not a fan of that, um, everyone loves a full building for a hockey game. The players love it. The coaches love it. Fans really do appreciate it. So we've had tons of people uh, even say to us, look, not my cup of tea, this this music or this performance, but I love seeing a full building. And, uh, you know, that's worth it for me. We're also trying to add more value for season ticket members. Those games are 25 bucks a pop um, for, for everybody, for not a season ticket member. So for the ones that do enjoy it, it's, you know, another incentive. But uh, – Appreciate the feedback and uh, uh, hockey's our core business and hopefully they continue to support it regardless. So obviously you're putting yourself out there, or the organization's putting themselves out there, uh, Trevor, trying to get creative and bring people in the building. Every team's different and obviously we're not going to expect you to talk about every team, but at a league level, it, when you see like, for example, at the, early part of each season it seems that there is that bit of stagnant in attendance is there anything that you uh, might like to see or any ideas that you think would be worth pursuing at a league-wide level to to maybe uh, combat that situation you know maybe it's something as radical as reducing the number of games overall uh, maybe it's more games outside the division so that you know the quote-unquote hockey people are more entertained with uh, seeing different teams. Is there anything like that you think could be done just to make those numbers, especially this time of the year, uh, a little bit more um, robust? Yeah, I, th I think there are. Um, I know the league is being proactive. I say the league, the Q is being proactive in putting together a committee to look at those things and which I'll be a part of. So uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of their um, forward thinking on that. Um, but yeah, like people have options. People can, you can stay home. You can watch, you know, the content at your fingertips is unbelievable. Um, there's so many ways you can spend your money these days. And, um, we need to fight through that clutter to make it compelling to watch. And if we don't, uh, we'll become obsolete. Like it's, it's just how it is. You know, if you don't move with the times and with people's appetite and expectations for what content should be like, what um, a game presentation look should look like in, in 2023, you'll fall by the wayside. And, you know, this past off season, you know, we hired uh, someone uh, specifically um, on the content side. Uh, someone who's a content creator, creating a lot of videos, just producing our own content and, and um, giving him the tools to do that. Uh, we've you know, brought a different graphic designer that works with Live Golf and Formula One uh, just to get a different look to some of our things. So, you know, we're um, we're certainly um, aware that people have choices and uh, and it's not always going to be junior hockey. So you have to find a way through the noise. I think there are some things you can do. And I think we, I think you look at everything. I don't think it's a let's just take a step back. We're going to tweak this or tweak that. I think you look at everything. I think back to the. Uh, Memorial Cup, and you'd think of all the great moments that uh, that we enjoyed as as Sea Dogs fans and those part of the organization. And um, one of my favorite moments was actually our one defeat in the tournament, and that was the the overtime. 
that overtime was what, like 11 and a half minutes or 12 minutes of three on three hockey with the best players in the country, like out there, just like, it was unbelievable. You know, imagine uh, how do we get to that a bit more often? You know, imagine a league or a tournament like NHL threes, but it's with, you know, the top players in the world in junior hockey. Um, I'm just spitballing here, but um, I remember look, watching those minutes and going, I, you know, I don't know how to, what to do with this, but you know, this is really exciting. We lost that game, but it was, uh, it was unbelievable. So to a, a long way to get to lots of things we should look at, we should look at everything. And, um, and uh, we have no choice, but to look at everything if we want to be, uh, relevant a decade from now. And you look at uh, minor league baseball, you look at the AHL, you look at the ECHL, there's some, you know, weird and wild ideas that they've got going on down there in terms of not on the field or on the ice, but off the ice. seems like junior hockey has been a little bit more hesitant to go that route. seems like they're still a little bit more conservative in terms of their um, promotions and game nights. Why do you, why do you think that is? Um, I think there's probably still elements of um, kind of purists in hockey and traditional hockey culture. Uh, what I do like about hockey players is I find them to be um, much more um, kind of con- like much more to themselves. Uh, so not to themselves, much more like collaborative, um, not really boisterous. So some of that person, but some of them do have big personalities, but doesn't kind of necessarily come through. Um, um so I think that there is an element where they don't want to, you know, come out and, 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 and show that side of things. Cause it hasn't been like that historically. Um, they've grown up watching guys that are much more stoic and uh, can always say the right things. Um, I love, like I look at the Savannah bananas and what they've done down there. They've taken a friend, they've taken something that's, you know, there's no interest. And uh, my wife does not, does not like baseball whatsoever. And uh we're looking at tickets to go see the Savannah Bananas in Maine on the tour. There's like 400 US for a single game ticket. Like, never in a million years would I spend that. But like, she was like, "Oh, that would be great to go watch." So, uh, uh, you know, they're doing something right. They're making it. Uh, you know, the number one thing is they're making it about the fan. And uh, I like I like some of those things that are happening. We're actually going to um, be speaking with our team. I've, I met with Travis, our, our coach, at the start of the year, and talked about a committee of some of our players and I want them to come to us with ideas of like one social piece they want every week and uh, just to get them in a habit. And um, again, kind of tougher to find those players who want to do that, but um, um, we need to start, you know, encouraging it because people want to see personality. Uh, People want to get to know them on a different level and people want to laugh and be entertained. And again, we're we're in the entertainment business, not just the hockey business. And, the sooner that we all figure that out, the better I think we'll be. And, you know, you mentioned that, um, you know, where I am now in Halifax, um, we saw that happen here about two or three seasons ago with a player named Stephen Davis. He was actually part of the intermission or, you know, timeout content. He had little video clips and now he's done a little bit of play-by-play or sorry, color commentary on uh, the Moose's radio broadcast. So, you know, it, you know those players exist. But uh, I don't think there's been a lot of mining for that uh, that talent or asking of those opinions. So I think that I'd be very intrigued, Trevor, to see what would come out of that if you actually gave the players the platform. Definitely, I remember Stephen Davis. I mean, uh, he was tough to play against, and he was really entertaining. I was very oh, likable. Yeah. He was detestable on the ice, but very likable off off the ice. And yeah. 
and I will say for Halifax, you have a, a new ownership group there, and I think that they're very um, uh, progressive. Um, I know Pete uh, Peter Simon's like super progressive, really interested in in pushing things uh, forward and thinking about the future. So I think that uh, you guys are in for a treat of what the future may hold with with that group there. Yeah, no, they, you can already see the signs starting to, to appear. Um, you know, you mentioned two comments there. One was progressiveness and the other one was uh, hockey culture. And I do want to steer the uh, conversation a little bit in that direction. Um, I especially want to hear your opinion on this. But, of course, we just saw the uh, edict uh, brought down by the NHL, uh, the removal of pride tape, the removal of any special uh, jerseys, um, a lot of it seemingly... Uh, targeted towards the LGBTQ community and uh, a lot of people um, already voicing their opinion that all that the NHL has done to build up that, that uh, message of inclusivity uh, has been erased for you. And I know there's a familial link for you as well. And that's why I really am interested in what you have to say here, Trevor, but at the junior hockey level where you're very grassroots and you're trying to, promote the inclusivity how do you combat when something at the very top level trickles down and enters your dressing room like that yeah it's a loaded question um it's easy for us not in the nhl shoes to kind of have an opinion a strong opinion on, on it a lot of factors go into it there's a lot of really smart folks there at the NHL office be really thinking through these decisions and whether we agree with it or not, they've clearly landed on this decision for, for a reason. Personal opinion, I think it's deplorable. Um, I, I think that um, they've done such a great job of, of really, um, um, you know, articulating uh, that hockey should be a safe space for everyone. And, uh, I think so often, you know, there's a handful of players that didn't want to participate last year. Um, and I think oftentimes, good or bad, in social media, media uh, today, we react to uh, kind of a minority of, of people that may have a really strong voice or, or opinion on something. And I think this is a case that, um, for me, it feels like a you know, major reaction to a handful of, of players that um, – probably reputationally for whatever reason um, they want to participate. And that's okay. Like, I think that that's like, I'm, that, that's your, it's again, it's, I think it's important to have choice. And if you don't want to participate, that's fine. But to remove it from the whole league, I think it's, it's really disappointing and it doesn't change how we're going to do things at a, at a junior hockey level with the St. John Sea Dogs organization. Um, you probably remember, uh, you know, the name Brock McGillis and Brock, um, you know, back in 2017 came to shoot a documentary um, in St. John and Brock landed. We got talking about why he chose the Sea Dogs. You know, I, I know him a little bit and we got talking and he said, you know, do you know how many junior hockey teams uh, had to fly over from Toronto to get to St. John to shoot this? And what he was getting at was we were the ones that said, yeah, come and that we're, you're welcome to come here. And that's a problem. It, it just is that, that that's a problem. And, um, you know, teams are doing better, but we continue to continue to do better. And it's been making hockey, uh, you know, hockey and sport uh, safe, inclusive and and uh, an environment where everyone feels comfortable to participate. Disappointing, but uh, 
I'm sure they have their reasons. And uh, for our own reasons here at the Sea Dogs, we're going to keep doing everything we can to uh, promote uh, hockey being for everybody. And inclusivity was a huge theme of the Memorial Cup in St. John, which was great to see. Um, and it looks like that's going to be the last Memorial Cup we see in the Maritimes for a while uh, with the news that Moncton won't be bidding on the 2025 bid. What's, uh, what, what's your thoughts on Moncton pulling out of that bid? Yeah, I'm disappointed for Moncton. I mean, they're rivals, rivals of ours, you know, right down, right down the highway. Um, but they have a really good group there. And I know what this uh, would have meant for Mr. Irving uh, and, his, and his team. Um, you know, I think that their team is going to be right in line for, for, uh, for in terms of being competitive uh, for that window. We played them the other night. They look good. Um, yeah, I think it's disappointing for them. But uh, um, I also understand that hasn't been in, in Quebec in the last, uh, you know, went to Halifax and, and came to us. Um, and I, I also under, understand that. But uh, sad to see them not put a bid in. I'm sure that they would have put in a really – a really good uh, bid. Um, I think any time that you uh, have a process like a Memorial Cup bid process um, to feel that you may not have that opportunity to, to win it or you may not um, be kind of a logical fit. I think once you have a process, you know, you'd like to just be able to follow that process and, and let, the, just let the judges make their decision. Um, but um, hey, I'm sure there, uh, you know, nothing would be more vindicating for them than to uh, than to uh, go through the front door, you know, win the league, and then uh, play in Quebec in uh, uh, in two seasons from now. And the other organizations, like I look at Ramouski and how that team's lined up. That's going to be a really good team, um, and great organization, great ownership, like just wonderful people up there. So um, um, I'm sure if Moncton makes their way in, it'll be it'll still be a great tournament, and they'll represent Atlanta Canada really well. Yeah, well said, uh, Trevor. And uh, you know, we know that the Sea Dogs will continue to uh, represent the queue to the best of their abilities as well. So, uh, with that, we're uh, going to uh, end it for now. We know that uh, you had to fight traffic to get to a friend's house to find an office to record this up in Toronto. So, first of all, thank you. If there's if if there's an award for dedication for this podcast, you've just won the first edition of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and, and second of all, thank you as usual for taking your time. You always have uh, excellent, uh, uh, sometimes very candid in the best way possible answers. And we're glad you could share some of your insight with us here. I appreciate it. It's not quite Harbor uh, Street uh, here in Toronto, so a bit tougher to get around. <laughs> thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on and uh, keep up the good work, uh, both of you. And thanks once again to Trevor Georgie. Uh, always a pleasure talking with him. Um, as uh, his Sea Dogs uh, well on their way, along with the rest of the league, this 2023-24 regular season. Let's talk about a few teams around the league. And uh, congratulations to the current, as of the time of this recording, we're recording as usual on a Tuesday night, the league leaders in points and winning percentage, your Bay Camo Uh Jamie, it's been a long road back to the top for the Dracar. Um, looks like they finally arrived, and quite frankly, good for them. How could you not enjoy seeing the Drakkar uh, enjoy some success? Yeah, we all love the the boatmen, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they're they're winning pretty much exactly how we all thought they would by scoring a lot of goals. 
and right. scoring their way out of any defensive problems they have. Uh, they lead the league in goals. They're second in goals per game, just a little bit below Moncton. Uh, what I like most about this team, though, is when you look at the top 10 league scoring, there's nobody really up there. Um, there's a player at eighth and then a player at 10th. So they're getting a lot of scoring from within their team um, all around their lines. Um, I looked it up before the show. They have 10 players with five or more with five or more points, uh, which is pretty impressive considering they've only played eight games so far. Um, so getting uh, offense from everywhere. Um, randomly, <laughs> randomly, their only loss was against Gatineau. Uh, yeah, really. But okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, like we talked about before on the show, um, they're not in a great division. They're not even in a great conference. Like there's a chance here for them to make a lot of noise this year if they can kind of keep this rolling. Definitely. And, you know, you talk about, you know, the high octane offense, you know, it's, it's not like they have, um, you know, a dearth of, of talent, you know, on the other end of the puck, you know, Julian Lantier is coming into his own on the back end. He was a first round pick last year. He's starting to eat up more minutes. Of course, Nick Svenenko, uh, top pick in the Euro draft in 2021s looked very solid. Another couple of goals over the weekend. And in net, a lot of people wondered how Olivier Ciarlo was going to resp- respond after a strong second half last season and, and then a very strong playoff uh, run that, that really it, it ended on a, on a dubious non-goal um, that was called off against Moncton in Game 7 overtime. Uh, and then, of course, the Cats scored and, that's, and their season was over. But Ciarlo has uh, responded to any critics that are out there. And although they're going always going to be, uh, for the time being anyway, I should say, they're going to be an offense-first team. But there's, there's enough talent on that back end. And there's enough two-way mentality that uh, uh, Jean-Francois Gregoire uh, should be able to uh, uh, come out with more wins than losses, just strictly on the merits of playing that overall team defense and having that strong presence in net. Yeah, and I really hope they play Moncton in the playoffs. <laughs> I, I'm even looking, I don't even know when they I don't even know when they play in the regular season, but uh, I really hope they play in the playoffs. Which means typically um, they won't play each other at all, and uh, they'll they'll both make it to like the final four and get eliminated in other brackets or something like that. Yes, exactly. This is how things work. <laughs> now that we've said it, it's not going to happen. Oh no, no. absolutely. Um, let's talk about another team. Uh, you know, we. Uh, haven't mentioned them a lot uh, this year, but of course we're only three weeks in and, you know, wouldn't be a broadcast if we didn't go uh, some period of time without mentioning the Halifax Mooseheads. Uh, they went 0-2 to start uh, the season, a couple of losses to the Charlottetown Islanders, and they haven't lost since. Five in a row. Uh, Mathis Russo has been in nets for all five of those games, incidentally. And it's like I've mentioned to a number of people, I was at the game against Victoriaville on uh, Friday night when you were out touring uh, the best, some of the greatest uh, college hockey burns in New England. Um, but it, it's not like they're going to be a good team. Like we all know that. But what I was curious to see is how adaptable they could be. They're a good enough team to win, but they can't win the same way they won last year. You know, you, know, you had 350 goal scorers. Now you have none. And you may not even have the one who's eligible to come back. Jordan Dume may not be coming back or not anytime soon. So you have to adapt, and you have to adapt with a new, new old head coach in Jim Midgley. And after that opening weekend uh, with Charlottetown, it seems like the pieces fell into place pretty quickly. 
Yeah, it really looks like they're starting to get in on a little bit of a roll here. And, and Russo has been so good. Um, it's certainly, we both know, and we talked about it a lot last year, probably one of the more underrated goaltenders, maybe one of the more underrated players in the whole league last year. Um, has the best goals against average in the league, has the best save percentage in the league. He's been phenomenal. Uh, you have Matthew Cataford at seventh in league scoring. And then you've got, you know, a surprise in this rookie Lula Besk who kind of came out of nowhere, uh, who's been excellent. I think he's third in rookie scoring right now. Um, so you kind of get, you, this is kind of the recipes of a really good team when you have some holes in your lineup, but you've got players who kind of step up. Um, and the fact that they're playing this well this early in the season, even though we kind of know that this isn't the Mooseheads of old, they're going to have to have some players step up and fill some of the gaps that, uh, of the players who left. Um, I think this is a really promising sign for them, um, especially that we know that they're for sure going to add some at, well, not for sure, but most likely going to add some at the holiday trade period. Um, and like you mentioned, they're doing all this without Jordan Dume, um, which again is, is perhaps the most impressive part. Um, they're probably going to get back a guy who is probably the leading, maybe the leading candidate to be the most valuable player in the league this year. So, um, not a, and it looks like he's probably going to come back if, if the reports from Columbus before the show look like it's out of the case. It looks like he's nursing a bit of an injury, suffered at Blue Jackets camp, and then he'll be on his way back, uh, fairly shortly, which will be a huge uh, addition for the Moose. Definitely. And you, know, you talk about Lou Levesque, uh, he's a guy who stood out to me, of course, as well for the first few games, just very tenacious. You know, he's not the biggest guy in, in on the team, five foot eight. He was a, I believe a fifth or a sixth round pick, uh, fifth round pick in 2022, uh, but just tenacious. Uh, he is hard to knock off the puck. Um, he He's just positionally sound. He knows, he, he knows where the puck's going and he's strong on the attack. And uh, that's going to be his calling card. I think, um, you know, will it, well, the good times last forever this year. You know, a rookie season in the queue is a very long slog, but early on he's looked very impressive. The return's been very good. And as you mentioned, of course, Jamie, you know, uh, whenever Jordan Dume gets back in the lineup, that's just icing on the cake. The Moose head to Quebec for the first time this year where they will play on Thursday night. Big Modra Car. That's oh, yeah. going to be one you're not going to want to yeah. miss. And Will, let me mention too, Dor- Jordan Dume probably going to be on the World Junior Team after last year's disappointment. Also, mm-hmm. Macklin Celebrini is probably going to be on the World Junior Team, who I saw play uh, his college debut uh, on Saturday. But Will, we gotta we gotta mention it. We gotta mention Macklin Celebrini plays in a league where no fighting's allowed. Is he is he really is he really no, illegitimate? No, he's not going to be ready. He will not be ready for <laughs> for the next level. I think we all know that. He might as well just pack up his stuff and just focus on his studies because playing in a league without fighting is yeah. just it's a waste of time. Just play beer league, young man. You know, you've yeah. you've got no future if you're in a league with no fighting. So funny. I haven't yes. I haven't heard many people talk about that. Weird. No, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. funny, funny, and. Uh, you know, the, in that game, that, that Victoriaville game on Friday got a little bit heated. There was a couple of heavy hits thrown. There was some stuff after the whistles, but no fights. And I'm pretty sure nobody would have remembered if there was a fight. Lucids came back from 2 nothing down. It was entertaining, back and forth game. A lot of skill on the ice between those two clubs. But no fighting. So really, I hope everybody asked for a refund. Because, you know. <laughs> That's new owners for the moose. They they got to do their fans right. Sorry, yeah, we didn't give you what you really want. 
which is brawling and, you know, teenage head injuries. Yes. So moving on. Um, at West, of course, Valdor 4 is still atop uh, uh, their division, 5-1-0-1. Let's talk a little bit about an, a team, another team that's uh, had a bit of a surprising start. The Sherbrooke Phoenix. Um, of course, Sherbrooke and Gatineau were the twin, like the, the you know, twin behemoths, so to speak, in the, the Western Conference last year. Gatineau sold off early. Phoenix, you know, there, there's still a couple of pieces in there, but nobody has any expectations for either one of these teams. And the Phoenix are really making the most of having nothing to lose. They're they're fourth in the conference and they're great defensively, Jane. Yeah, like this is maybe a little bit more surprising to me than the Valdor uh, start to their season. Uh, I I have really low expectations for Sherbrooke. I think most people who ranked all the teams heading into the season probably had Sherbrooke either missing the playoffs or grabbing you know the fifteenth or sixteenth seed. Uh, but it looks like their goaltending has really won them some games this year. You know, Samuel St. Hilaire has been excellent, uh, has some of the best numbers in the league. Three, the the Phoenix are 4-2-0-1. Uh, St. Hilaire is 3-1-0-1, so he's been really, really good um, in net. Uh, still trying to get a good read on them, though, because two of those wins are against Gatineau. Um, so, you know, kind of take those with a grain of salt, I guess. But uh, we'll kind of see where this goes. You know, as a team that, has a new coaching staff, doesn't have, you know, much to lose. They're, they're kind of getting it done. We'll see kind of how they do uh, after Christmas, but bringing it back to Valdor. Now, Will, we got to, we got to talk about something here (laughs) that we mentioned on the show a little bit bit last week. Valdor sits first in the Western conference. They beat Ruin Aranda. They're three and O against Ruin Aranda now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Ruin Aranda sits fifth in the Western conference. Ruin Aranda is in the CHL top 10. Valdor is not. I'll just let I'll just let that sit there for a minute. You can. I purposely kept this out of the script, Jamie. <laughs> I didn't know whether you're going like, is he going to bring it up? Is he not? I mean, I think we all have our own personal opinion on the CHL top ten. That's awesome. Usually, yeah, yeah, it's it's a great thing to to look at. Um, you know, for that matter, the Bacon Motor Car not in the top ten. Uh, the Moncton Wildcats are not in the top ten. Um, yeah, the Valdor Fur are not in the top 10, although they were last week. But, of course, you know, they lost. But, of course, they beat Ruan Aranda, who is in the top 10. Um, so, there. Um, I don't think I have to tell you what I think about the CHL top 10. If you, if, you want, if you want to know what I think about the top 10, just rewind this podcast about 30 seconds back and listen to everything I just said. That's what I think about the top 10. Great. That's right. <laughs> There's Absolutely. a rewind feature there for a reason. All right, that's good. Absolutely, exactly. There's a lot there. We covered a lot of ground, you know, unlike the CHL top 10. So uh, moving on, uh, moving on to the CHL in general as well, um, the Game of the Week broadcast schedule has been released for October. Now, we mentioned TSN on their um, uh, regular uh, television network will not be covering major junior games until each of the respective league finals. However, TSN Plus, RDS.ca, will all, will carry the game of the week. And, of course, there will be free streaming of the games of the week via CHL TV. Sometimes. This is the Q schedule. We mentioned that Halifax Bacon Mo game on October 12th. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying, Jamie, and I think you'll agree, there's some really good matchups in here. Yeah, they nailed well, it. They did. 
Halifax Bay Camo on October 12th, available only on RDS.ca. Victoriaville Drummondville, October 19th, it's available on RDS.ca and on CHL TV, so you can stream that one for free, and it's going to be a good game in all likelihood. Chikudmi Ramuski, probably the weakest of the four matchups, October 25th on RDS.ca, Moncton Rain Aranda, which should be a banger, November 25th, only on RDS.ca. Jamie, what do you notice there for a trend? Yeah, well, like the RDS only situation is is kind of odd to me. Um, if these were all Quebec teams, I could understand it. Um, but you know, there are some maritime fan bases here who would probably like to watch their team play in English, and it's just a little odd that these games aren't available um, on TSN. I'm I'm assuming that this has some sort of you know rights agreement situation, maybe. Um, RDS wants these games all on their own, so people aren't just logging on TSN, maybe. Uh, but it's kind of weird. I feel like they're kind of limiting their their reach to fans here a little bit, which is a, a little odd. But uh, after we, you know, our conversation last week, you got to hand it them. Like they really nailed the game selection. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am, uh, but kind of going back to what I mentioned a while ago about how I really wish the CHL or CHL in the queue. They've got to kind of flex schedule some of these games like this Halifax Bay Camo game. Like that's an awesome game, but it's on a Thursday night. Like, what are we like? What are we doing here? Like we got to we got to kind of figure something out here to get these these prime games on and and, in a prime time that people are going to sit down and watch them. Yeah, I mean, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here, Jamie. Um, Thursday night is the next best thing to Friday or Saturday, I suppose. So it's not too bad. It's not like these are on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Sure. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, that's, that, that's one thing. Um, yeah. The other side of it is, you know, it's like you just alluded to Jamie. It's like, it's like the CHL heard us talk about what we would like to see in, a, in an ideal world. And they listened to half of it. Like they get the matchups part, right. And now the accessibility part is going to be the challenge. So, I, I I don't I don't get it. If it's the CHL game of the week, and we have the CHL TV app. Now that being said, um, if it's two Quebec teams and you're watching on the CHL TV app, you're going to, in all likelihood, listen to a a French broadcast. Mm-hmm. But if there's even an inkling of a possibility for that not to happen. Why isn't it on free available for free on the CHL app? That is mind-boggling. But um, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, it's still early, but again, great matchups. Just maybe a little bit dubious on uh, the rollout. The news and notes uh, from around the league and beyond. Um, and uh, Jamie, you brought this uh, to everyone's attention this morning. Uh, yesterday, I should say, the Schwinnigan Cataracts just got a big boost. The Rangers, New York Rangers, have assigned Ivan Barbashev to the Cataracts. Of course, he was traded from the Moncton Wildcats, from the Moncton Wildcats in the offseason. That's going to be a big boost. A lot of people didn't know whether or not he was going to make it back to the queue this year. Uh, but uh, he will, in fact, bolster that lineup. Uh, the World Under-17 Challenge is going to take place next month. A couple guys from the queue are going to be behind the bench there. Carl Maletta, Victoriaville, friend of the podcast. He's a head coach for Canada Red. Eric Bouchard of the Shawinigan Cataracts, an assistant coach for Canada White. 
and a few key games this week from Moncton on Thursday night, that Halifax Bay Camo game, which of course is the game of the week that you can't get for free on CHL TV. That's on Thursday night and Cape Breton at Rand. I, I, I kind of get that when you remark on Saturday night because of the Cape Breton making their first trip to Western Quebec. Rand, Rand in a bit of a slump and the Eagles looking a lot better than they did first weekend. Jamie, your thoughts on any and all of the above. <laughs> wow. So much to, so much to talk about. Uh, you have 30 seconds. Well, on the, the Barbershev news, I think it's the biggest of what you mentioned there. A uh, huge ad for Schwinnigan. Uh, <laughs> takes up an overage spot and an import spot. So, I mean, that's a, that's a rarity. You don't see that too often. Um, he's an interesting player though. I thought he had a bit of a slow start last year when he, when he came to back to Moncton. Um, but you know, turned it on as the year got moved along, but he's one of those players that you just, you just haven't quite seen him dominate at this level. And you expect, you know, a 19 year old last year to dominate like a, a certain amount. Um, just didn't quite see that from Barbershev. So maybe, uh, maybe a change of scenery in a year older. We'll, we'll see that a little bit more this year and having some, some more uh, NHL training camp experience behind him. Yeah, definitely. Of course, you know, his older brother um, played, you know, Ivan played in Moncton. I think a lot of the expectation there was yeah. like he was going to be the next Ivan Barbashev. And, you know, he, he'll he'll go to the dirty areas and he can be physical like Ivan was. But maybe uh, Ivan had maybe a little bit more skill at this level. So mm-hmm. we will see uh, what happens there. Um and we'll see what happens throughout the league in over the next seven or so days, because that about does it for us for this edition. Thanks again to uh, Trevor Georgie for taking the time to speak with us earlier. And of course, thanks to Connor Somerville behind the scenes, making it all click and getting this podcast out to you each and every week. So for Jamie Tozer, I'm Will McLaren. Thank you again for watching THN on the Q, brought to you by Bet MGM. We'll see you next week.